Hello and welcome to BZ Listening. I'm your host, BZ Douglas. Today my guest is Corey Michaels, but before I get to the interview, I have a few quick housekeeping items to cover. Uh, so every Monday I try to release an episode with a different musician. Um, sometimes I get out a little late like today, but uh, you know, I don't kick myself too hard. I'm I don't get paid to do this. I just love doing it. But anyway, on a less regular basis, I also have guests on to talk about a wide variety of topics. And there's a couple of those coming up that I want to plug. Um, Next Wednesday on July 3rd, in celebration of Merka's birthday, I'll be releasing my interview with Lulu Friesdat. She's an Emmy award-winning journalist who is covering major problems with electronic voting systems. Um, then on July 10th, I have a Q&A with Roger Hill. He's the director of the film Huckleberry, which is currently available to buy or rent on Amazon or free with Prime. I just want to let everyone know so that they have time to watch the film. Otherwise, the interview is bound to spoil some critical plot points. Uh, lastly, but definitely not leastly, for my Cleveland audience... This Friday and Saturday is the Manorfest Music and Arts Festival. It's two days of music, art, camping, and community at the McFarland Manor in Gordon Square. Uh, if you've listened to the show before, you heard an interview probably with Michael McFarland and the history of that space. It's basically, they, they put on some really great house shows there. And I'm very excited to announce that my variety show, the BZ Douglas Carnival, will be raising the tent as part of Manorfest from 4 to 7 this Saturday, June 29th. Uh, this show will feature old-time strongman Mark Burnett, some PG-13 to rated our puppetry by Nate Puppets, Feats of strength tournaments for the audience members in thumb wrestling, rock, paper, scissors, and staring contests. And music will be my wife, Deb Zepp, and I will kick off the show playing as BZ and DZ. Then we will have Evan Bloom, Nick Delegati, and today's guest, Corey Michaels. Uh, okay, so all the plugs have been plugged. All right, great. So check the website at bzdug.com, bzdug.com for links to all of Corey Michaels' stuff but he's pretty easy to find. Just remember it's Corey with two R's. Um, Okay, I think that's it for me. Thanks so much for listening. Now on with the show. Well, you know, I think I need to do, I need to go through all of the raw audio of all of the interviews and just make a mashup of all of the like, pre-interview weird stuff we've talked about from <laughs> grousing about the end of Game of Thrones like we just did to, um, you know, Illuminati and conspiracy theories and random you know tangents. No <laughs> yeah. Just drop it all into like, a, you know, like 10 minutes here and there and, and make it a, 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 with a no context. It's like the bloopers reel. Yeah. Like the bloopers reel. That's I'll do awesome. a blooper reel. That'll be fun. But every, every once in a while you need one of those. Give so, yourself a break. So look for that. Corey Michaels will be in the blooper reel. We will be going off on the Game of Thrones oh, yeah. uh, final season, oh, yeah. uh, amongst other things. But um, thank you so much for coming here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I so excited. I think I first saw you at Jason Myers' uh, Cleveland Uncorked, CLE oh, wow. Uncorked. What do you remember when it was? What month or something? This would have been a couple of months ago. And I was probably pinch hitting for someone because he, he, you know, he, he'll right around be like hey can you do the thing and usually yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're free like oh yeah i'm around the corner so i did it but you know what this was right before my grog shop performance it was this it was. was in like 
early December. I remember this. I do remember this. So I had that memory of <laughs> you, and and uh, you read really good, just kind of like stories here and there about your songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was fun. Uh, you know, I was looking for someone to fill out the uh, carnival, which you'll be playing, I believe, like the week after this mm-hmm. episode drops. Um, but and when I asked you to do that, I was still thinking of what I had seen at CLE Uncorked. Oh, um, and you were doing like the, you know, like a keyboard and you had like iPad a pot or like a laptop a bit. Mm-hmm. And then I went looking up your stuff and I saw you with this full band like playing at the Odeon. And then, yeah, your oh, grog you shop saw. thing. I hadn't seen. I hadn't got to catch that yet. I believe Deb did. Well, I, I said that to you about I was like, oh, well, like, I met you at the Winchester. Yeah, we actually had a good I to be I'd be louder. I'm just going to I'm just room mic. So, uh. Yeah, the Winchester, when uh, I think I was going to leave. And you, you said, oh, I'm playing next. And uh, you're like, you should stay. And I think I said, like, are you worth it? And I was like, I promise. And you're like, I'm worth it. Like, you said something that was just like. Sassy. Like, you better not go because I'm the best. Like, you just said something, like, funny. And I was <laughs> like, okay, I'm staying now. I, I think that's stuck. I had that good impression of you, too, that, like, oh, this this kid's got some hustle. And yeah, then you were, man. you were, you Facebook messaged me and like, you know, you're like writing people and, and going that extra mile and just be like, Hey, I got a show just so you know. And I respect that, that game just because I know like it's, it's, it's an uphill climb against the, the Facebook algorithms. And yeah, man, like it really is. And at the time it was like, so I had just kind of like gotten off of like what I will call my first tour. It's like the dates that I put together between August and September. And then I hadn't done a show for a while. And so when uh, I was presented with the opportunity to do the Grog Shop with Maddie, Joey H and the Vindies. Um, but when I uh, received that opportunity, it was kind of like this full circle because maybe like a, maybe like two or three years before that, I remember walking into the School of Rock and I was going for like, to just see about vocal lessons and the person that I met with was Maddie. Oh, okay. So we did one lesson together and then I ended up not being able to do it. And then I saw her maybe like six months before at the whiskey bar and she heard me sing again. And, you know, we just like, we got connected again after that and she was like, you know, you've gotten so much better since I last saw you. It's like, thank you. And then to, you know, like I say, come around at the end of what I what I thought my last my last year was was amazing. I was so blessed yeah. uh, to kind of end it off, you know, doing that. And I just remember, you know, introducing my band to her, like, hey, Maddie, this is the uh, hey, guys, this is Maddie. She's the headliner for tonight. Yeah. Um, and then I did my set and then uh, the Vindies went and then Joey H went and then she did. And then she said something that kind of really warmed my heart and just put like put a whole new love for why I love her. She was like, you know, like, give it up for Corey Michaels. Um, and it wasn't because she was, like, giving me praise, but she was like, uh, he was telling his band, like, you know, hey, Maddie, hey, guys, this is Maddie, she's the headliner, but really, he's the headliner. And to me, like, someone like her, she's just, she has this energy, she has this power about her. But she, She's looking to give. Yeah, she's looking but, to give. Yeah, and she just has this heart, and, and I love that. And... Like I said, she made me feel special on that stage. And I knew that I wanted to go out and give everything that I have for that show. And for her to recognize that, that's exactly what I was doing. And then on the at the end of the night, giving me pointers or, hey, you know what? I saw that you did this. This was great. Hey, I would fix this, change this, and make that's this so better. so valuable. Because I'm a person I want to learn. I am uh, I believe that your craft is never perfected until well, you're dead. I, I like we jumped into like 
present pre-present of right now um but um it's always helpful for me in the editing process to go through like a bit of chronology or whatever and i'm definitely so i went and read your bio like on spotify and things like that so you are from cleveland Uh but then you moved away at a certain point yeah i was like nine years old and then i moved to nashville just well city just outside of nashville now when did you start you first uh your first step down the road of music was on it was on piano yeah, yeah, yeah. I started learning piano and then I started taking, I would say it all ties in. I started like taking dance class and just getting more well versed in, I guess, like the arts. Right. And so that became like something that I was doing every Saturday, like taking piano lessons in the morning. And then we would go to what was called Rainy Institute. And then I would take a uh, capoeira, which is like African martial arts. And then I would take dance one, dance two, and then choir. Um uh, so, it's just so cool. It's so swaggy. Yeah. Um. And so I just was doing that for for a while, maybe like a year and a half. And then when we moved, everything kind of stopped. Like I didn't, I wasn't training anymore. I wasn't in dance class, but I still had my keyboard. And I just kind of like was listening to records and I just like wanted to play them. Like I didn't, I, no one was teaching me, but I knew the foundation. So I would go on like guitar uh what is it guitar tab i forgot what it's called oh yeah yeah uh and i was just like get out my favorite songs and try to learn them on piano then it came to a point where i was like well i want to make my own songs i just want to try just like do something and then it became more about songwriting than just like so you only had formal training for a bit and then carried forward on your own yeah i was just like learning stuff from youtube and kind of like developing my craft developing my ear as an artist and as a and as a musician yeah yeah so Nashville, is that when you started to get more focused on music, do you think? Yeah, I would say it kind of pushed. Did I it push out and did it push out the other arts or do you still keep the other performance no, no, things on I, the simmer and even, or bring them all together? Yeah, I'm always trying to reincorporate. Like So like dancing, I would love, uh, you saw my show at the Odeon, uh, the, the, the technicality of that. I feel like the next evolution to a show of that magnitude would be choreography and backup dancers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would see, okay, so if this is, if we're at a 2.5 now, how do we get to a 3? How do we get to a 3.5? And those are the things, you know, make, making sure that my lighting syncs with my music and, you know, that there's flow to my show, that every song is placed in a specific section for a reason you know like all of those things always trying to like uh reincorporate that and that's what dance taught me about uh moving around in the stage having the the cardio to to jump and be interactive with the people and then playing piano taught me about the musicianship how to make sure things flow you know what songs are good songs to sing what songs are some are not necessarily good songs to sing and and not that bad songs to sing but in like in a live setting for that particular reason so they all still play parts in the what i do now in helping me create the best show that i can i'd like to say the the movement the fact that you're working on that like it's paying off because i i went to that crock shop show and um and i had also seen you in just uh i think you know i saw you at the winery yeah on a different night i think and um and, and then i saw you then. there and you played with the full band and the movement and interacting with the crowd and getting out and jumping around yeah, and so that fun. that was just that elevated my opinion of you know not Thank just you. the sounds of the music but like you you know your whole as, a, as an artistry as a performer well yeah. i i know that on the smaller scale I think you and I both experienced we're not 
at a point where we're working in choreography or anything other than just trying to get the craft of the song as good as it can be, sing it right. Yeah. But I do notice, well, I've always noticed that like what will bring people in is like, is that thing where they channel whatever energy you're bringing to it. Cause it's however strong my vocals are. I always try and really put heart into how I'm singing it at whatever ability yeah, I can. And I think that's what's, you know, brought people in to whatever degree, regardless of wherever talent. I mean, you have to be talented and and, and earn that. But yeah. it, there's that thing that goes on with like if you're having fun and you're high energy, that's infectious. They will, they will, yeah, they will receive that.
first big steps you know if you're playing music or when did you first start to be like take it public we're like oh you've written a song and you take did you step out into open mm. mics or did you have venues like in you know your school or things like that um i did like some talent shows as a kid i wouldn't say and then i also did like theater but i don't i wouldn't necessarily equate those things to music um i would say maybe 2013 so I moved back to Cleveland in 2012, in the summer of 2012. And this is after I had been writing. And when I say writing... Now, was that a move back with, with your family or you mm-hmm. wanted to come back? Here? Yeah, I'm only 22. So at that time, I was maybe like 15. Oh, okay. Um, so I was like just writing, 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 writing. And this is like something that my family, they kind of not necessarily picked picked on me for but it was kind of almost like a running joke like I was the kid who was had always had my piano on my bed and I would have like you know like when you pray when you like you're a kid and you pray you get on your knees mm-hmm. by the side of your bed and but I would have like notebooks <laughs> just like papers and then my keyboard and it, and, and it wouldn't just be the songs it would be me trying to figure out like ooh, this would be great for my album and who would I feature on this song and then I would I would be like drawing out like album covers and picking out like track lists and just like it was an experience I I think that's what's kind of carried me through it is the idea of the experience it's not just making the song it's it's getting it to the people it's the packaging it's it's the collaborations. It's the the afterthought that goes into it. Oh, how am I gonna? How am I gonna reach people in this? What am I actually talking about? Uh, and those are the kind of things that I think honestly like kept me like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was so notorious for every release for it to be strategic. Like when he released Thriller as the lead single for the album Thriller, like the video premiere, the the amount of dedication the amount of detail that went into making the storyline making the choreography why each move was each move the behind the scenes and then going on to look at the album like there's only nine songs on that album and six of those songs are hits six of those songs are hit oh, yeah. the other one is with paul mccartney which is like a b-side hit because it's paul mccartney probably it was paul mccartney was you know he probably tried to take over and it and that's why <laughs> that's uh, why that's the one thing about Michael Jackson that I remember um, when you you hear people that like worked with him, like the other dancers, like every little thing was certain. It was on on beat in a certain way. Yeah, and I'm kind of is, anal like that. Yeah, it makes it's kind of it's it's a shame that I've watched Never Finding Neverland and it and it ruined all everything. Everything that you saw uh, and about it ruined him. everything about about. Do you him. think it's all true? Well, here I mean like. I don't no, we we cannot we cannot. If we spent twenty minutes on Game of Thrones, I don't want to talk about how much time we'll spend I, on Michael I do, Jackson. I do. It sounds uh, pretty true, but that but you know people have different sides to them. No, you know? I'm, so there's. I'm calling. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna say that like I can that. accept that, but I also want to talk about like the talent yeah. and the yeah. strategicness, like that you're talking about 
I, yeah, it's completely how how that man worked, and, and well, it's I something think to be regardless of whether or not you know I you know anyone who who does believe the charges or and this is true of like anyone yeah whether you know whether it's it's Woody Allen or Roman Polanski you know and this is a question I have asked some artists is like are you able to separate the art from the artist because mm-hmm. for me to some re- degree like you know I ask that because I feel like my answer is well the more I've become a musician or like you know and then and I start to think of people on peer levels like that I'm like well, I there's you know I can't separate that now if like I did a gig with you at the urban winery and then like saw you be shitty to a waitress I can't separate that from you I mean like, you're still and maybe person. yeah you aren't Michael Jackson level of a genius where I have that Yet. to forgive yeah, oh. yeah. Or you recognized as recognized as, but I will say that there's there is no reason you can't respect. Look at like well, what Roman? We're not going to say well, whatever Roman Polanski or Michael Jackson or any of yeah. these people who may or you know allegedly monsters. Um, we're just going to ignore everything they did that was technically correct and inventive and genius. You you can't do that. That's stupid. And then, I mean, I think this ties in because you realize that the music industry, not everything is always what it seems. There's always ulterior motives. There's always... So when a story comes out, you have to think somebody wants to see Michael Jackson succeed. They want to see his name cleared. But for every one of those people, there are five people who want to see his head on a platter. They don't want him to be innocent at all. They know that they would make more money off of him being guilty. They would have more press. They would have more. They would have more sales. They would have higher streams or more clicks or more views on their site. Sure. It's 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 all like a it's all a game. So somebody's demise is somebody's success. For every bug that dies, there are some bugs. But that's that are the, born. that's that that can also be the correlation isn't causation. Like there may be people who will benefit from his estate being attained or his legacy, but it, that, that you can't necessarily say, Oh, well that means you did it or you, you're, yeah, it's just you, like, you are angling for that, but it, they certainly will. They're not going to like, not be like, Oh, celebrating. But again, this is, this is a tangent that, you know, there's going to be, there's enough podcasts out there probably that are doing nothing but talking tangents. about Michael Jackson and celebrities. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And things the, like that. Hit me. We're here to talk about your biopic. And yes, sir. <laughs> Although Michael Jackson is a huge influence. Well, I, I think that's, I mean, that's when you were talking to me about how you would be at your um, bed with all your notebooks, like a kid praying, it really painted a picture I could see in a movie. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's pretty incredible for you to say that, you know, at that age, you're already thinking about, Putting on the big show, you know, I don't think that was something, you know, like, as I discovered I was going to be a musician or that I enjoyed being a musician and had it really late. And I've just been focused, you know, I've had just this myopia on just like, I need to get better at guitar and singing and then record yeah, something and, and and baby step my way up. And I feel like as I get to a point where like, oh, the first time I book a big, a full band thing. Yeah. Then that's going to just open up. You're like, oh, okay. Well, how do I take it even further, further, and further? And what's crazy? So I, having my own band is is still a new experience, but they have opened. They really have opened up my eyes, and I've opened up their eyes. So it kind of goes both ways. Like they're all, they all are multi-purpose. So my guitarist is also my engineer. So we did my album together. Uh, my MD and my keyboard player, I mean, they are one and the same. We also, so we make the Wait, shows MD, together. MD. Musical director. Okay, okay. So, so. 
It's not a term I've heard with just bands. <laughs> yeah, so so that's what I mean. It's every everything is is precise. So before we ever do rehearsals, we sit down and figure out what do we want this show to sound like. What do we want it to feel or this set to feel like? You know, whether I'm opening or or headlining. Like, what is the goal for this? What am I trying to articulate? Like, so for the Grok Shop show, it was saying farewell to my EP, like and that I released in 2017. It was like, okay, it's the end of 2018. I'm getting ready to come out with some new music and just kind of like switch things up a bit so this is like a, a farewell to this record and everything that has done for me so starting out with dead love which is how i got the title of the record and it was a song that was like one of the first songs that i'd done and then to going into pray to god which was the song that ended but it was the song that kind of felt the most revolutionary and it was the op it was literally the the other side of dead love where it was talking about you know this is what's lost and uh, pray to god talks about it's essentially like forgiveness and then you have um black and blue and then you're like you know what now that you have this forgiveness you kind of have to realize that even though you forgive you're you have to still deal with the internal things like how do i feel why why do i feel like this and how do i move forward with these feelings then you have your break and you kind of realize that you know sometimes in life you're not perfect you don't just get over things and and painkillers is kind of like that relapse that kind of happens in the middle and you're like you know what i'm maybe i'm not okay i'm mm -hmm. not okay and then you close with and then you close with gone and you're like you know what even though I'm not okay, I have to accept that uh, my reality as it was and my reality as it is are not the same thing. But I've learned a lot through this. And the person that I am now was created because of those things and the lessons that I learned, which is how you get to my single fair fight, where it's kind of like you seeing things in a new perspective. Like, you know, I have, I've, I've conquered a lot of battles. I still have a long way to go, but I've come from a lot of things, a lot of just like a lot of heartache that comes with life and my life in yeah. specific. And so it's like now that I'm in a place where not only I'm, I'm more happy, but I'm also just more aware of myself and aware of my surroundings. Well, most musicians, um, I feel would agree that like, it's, it's therapeutic to create music to, for them. It's not necessarily just, Oh, I'm good at this and it's craft. It's like, Oh yeah. It fills me up and to get this out. And it's um, one of my only ways of expressing. So words are the most powerful thing to me. Because when you don't have anything else, like I, I've, I've had to sleep in my car before. I've been without a home. I've been without food. I've been without money. But the one thing that I've had is, is my word. Waking up in a bed Without you, my world is so slow I am lost, I am vain, and you're not You are light, you are it, you are mine What have I done to tear us apart? Now you're gone Gone Now you're gone 
yourself and you're writing these songs mm -hmm. when did how did you start to um was it all through like youtube or did you find mentors and co-collaborators and people that started to influence how you crafted songs and, mm, and i think it was just like listening like some of my favorite uh producers are like ryan tedder of one republic um and sia and max martin so i would just study the songs that they wrote and kind of uh figure out why they were doing what they were doing. You know what I mean? I guess why is also a very important question. Not that you chose this key, but why did you choose this key? Okay, because it fits this singer's range very well. And then why did you choose to, you know, to use a synth pad over a piano? Because it allows it more space, it allows it more room. Figuring out kind of like the whys of why they were doing things. Deconstructing your favorite stuff. Yeah. Did and you then, ever go in towards formal training or have you gone right no. into like I'm doing music and I'm I'm just gonna, gonna I just that I, I formally, unformally trained myself. I would love to come to, uh, and then it just kind of like evolved. So then you listen to your favorite songs, you start writing your own songs and, and still uh, pulling from those influences and, 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 and expanding yourself. And then I get to like 2013 and then I'm working with like, youtube producers like that was like a that's a huge fad like you know like getting your beats offline and and then connecting with that producer so that's kind of how it started i was just like looking for songs to write to um and then i would like contact these producers and then i remember like dark shadow was uh produced by a girl named haru and she lived in the netherlands and i'm like okay well i really want to work with you on this song like i i i I, I promise that we can make this work. And so 
she sent me the production and then I sent her back the demo. She was like, okay, I like this. Like, So I, is this just remote collaboration and producing a song, basically? Yeah. That's like some, they some, send I, you, this is what I have, and then you lay out what you're going like, to contribute well, to it? Yeah, and then you send it back and then it's like a just like an agreement, a collaboration. So at, at a certain point, it was... I'm bringing the lyrics and the vocals and someone else is bringing the production, right? And so that's yeah. how my first EP under like my alias back at the time was like Phoenix Ashes. So that's what I was going, that's how that kind of whole project happened. But if I wouldn't have done that project, because a big thing about that was kind of me not exactly getting what I want from my production. So you have to realize that I'm, I'm depending on other people and then when you're paying little to no money for these productions, for these for this production you can't be meticulous no you just you just kind of get what they give you and then you kind of work around that and or you're young enough or naive enough to be like you know what i don't even know what i want in this situation Mm -hmm. i just know i want to make music so i'm allow you to be the artist that you are and i'll be the artist that i am right that's even like extan um e-x-t-a-n we did my single heavy together and i remember him sending me the beat for that and i was like this is crazy like i don't even know what to do with this like i don't know if we i don't know if i if you need to calm it down or like what and then i i sat with it for a little bit and then i just the song kind of like flowed out of me and then when i sent it to him because he was like i want to mix it i want i want to be the person to take care of the song he was like oh you did. You went in a completely different direction than I thought you were gonna go. So sometimes it's finding the flip side of songs, right? And did he mean that in a oh good this? Yeah, like well he for, liked it even though that wasn't what he's expecting. Or, yeah, well this song kind of feels like a it's very like EDM kind of like hard hitting. It has like this very heavy synth, almost like you want to like dance a party. And then I'm talking about struggling. Like mm-hmm. uh, like uh, the 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 chorus is I see it in your eyes I see behind the I see behind the lies know that I am not the one that you can deny see it in your face see behind the scars seeing th- through the strokes telling everything you are I see behind your flaws and I see behind it all so don't hide it from me so it's like literally getting heavy with a song that might you wouldn't expect that from no you're trying to cool. like I feel like you might w- want to be in like some some version of a drug and like tripping out in a field and just like having fun and then you realize that they're really talking about why you went on those drugs because you're trying to escape from it like though you don't have to hide from me because i'm already i already see it and so it was just like learning how to uh find the balance find the balance and all of that and then that leads you to my ep died in me so i was like into the open mic scene and just kind of learning how to be a singer so every i feel like everything happened in stages. Like I learned how to songwrite at a certain time. uh, And that went along with learning how to play the piano and just kind of like hone those two. And then it was learning how to sing. And that was like, you know, doing open mic singing while I was exercising. Like I, I love walking and uh, that kind of cardio, just like being outside. And I, anytime I'm outside sing outside walking, I'm singing. So it's like, they go hand in hand. So if you outside for two hours, 
and you're singing for those two hours, you know, you start, your voice is a muscle. And so it starts to grow. You start to learn, okay, if I'm going to sing for, if I'm singing for two hours and I'm singing from this place instead of this place and I'm not hurting, I'm not straining anymore because, you know, I can support myself the, the right way. So it's just kind of like happened in steps. Now, was that a conscious thing that you decided to start doing or you just noticed that you're doing it and then started and to think better. about the benefits of it? It And most of it's just kind of like, natural subconscious progression you know what i mean like when i'm outside i just, and i love singing and i'm listening to music so i'm listening to all my favorite songs and naturally when you listen to your favorite songs you sing along mm-hmm. and i have this <laughs> really big mouth so i always just like sing full out so that teaches you to kind of sing like sing sing and then that kind of helped me now where i can do what I do and be able to just like sing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for so your, your voice and then what is, what was the next step for you producing? In- so working with a guy named Kenny Bell on my EP, uh, died to me that came out in 2017. I think we were working on the majority of 2016. And so it was my first time collaborating with someone in person. So up until this point, it was like things being, production just being handed to me i had no say in what was going on all only control i had over was the lyrics and my voice and at that point my voice wasn't even that strong Mm -hmm. um so and that was i released that in 2014 so 15 16 17 there are three years that go by your (laughs) voice changes in that time oh yeah um so i the first song we ever wrote was gone Uh, a friend of mine watts he's one of my best friends he was hosting an open mic at the B-side, which is up underneath the grog shop. And Kenny Bell was the on keys. He was like the, that's just, uh, that was like the house burning that they were doing. Mm-hmm. So he introduced me to him and he's like, hey, Corey, this is Kenny. He does amazing music. I think you guys should work together. And then, you know, like we were like, well, we'll just try it. And so we get in the room uh, and we're just kind of like talking, just trying to like see how this is going to go. And I think it was very interesting. I'm a spiritual man, and we prayed before our first session. Um, and then he kind of, like, started playing this, like, the first thing you hear in Gone. It's like this little twinkle arpeggio sound. And then he starts playing. do And it's like, okay, well, where's he going with this? And then you hear the, the chords. He just started laying them out. And I'm like, okay, let's go with that. Just let let that let that on a loop. And I had a line. I think I had wake I had waking up in a bed so cold, in my phone. And then I was like, well, we're just gonna see how this invokes. And I pretty much wrote the song in like 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, I think this is something. And he like went upstairs and then came back. And I had pretty much a good portion of the song written and then we cut the vocals that day and then i knew from that moment i was like okay i'm supposed to be not only am i supposed to be doing this but i'm supposed to be working with you i'm supposed to be this kind of involved and then Mm -hmm. we kind of like crafted the song together and then we ended up doing two more songs that ended up on my record which was black and blue and pray to god so it was just like this experience of going from writing learning how to play other people's songs and that desire to want to write my own songs, right? And then from writing my own songs to learning out what that, from turning them just uh, lyrics and melodies on a piece of paper to something uh, audibly tangible 
as like something that you can stream or or view or listen to and then having the taking the step even further and saying okay this is not just i'm slapping these these two things together but i want to make something that's cohesive like this melody is made to fit this production yes you know what i mean they 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 go hand in hand they they move with each other they're in unison and so that's kind of the progression that that happened and then once i did that with him that kind of inspired me to kind of want to know what it felt like to do it on my own because he was he wasn't a pop producer and i make pop music so i was still kind of venturing out from EDM to like R&B with maybe like influences of pop. And I was like, I just want to make a pop record. And there was still nobody around to help me do that. So uh, I was living with my two roommates at the time and they were my best friends. And my, I think he just kind of, I don't know how, cause he's not even an artist now and he never really was, but um he got like $2,500 worth of music equipment off Sweetwater, including Ableton, um, some really dope speakers, a mic, a mic stand. I bought an interface and I just started making music. And it's and then even the keyboard, we got like padding. And so we had all this stuff, but I was pretty much the only person who ever used it because they didn't know how to do it. They just yeah. I think they felt like they just saw me do it and they were like, okay, we want to be a part of this. Right. And so in November of 2016 is when we got it. And then I just started like learning how to produce on my own. And that's how I came up with my record that I'm coming out with soon. Heaven and earth meet when I'm here. I lose myself, I lose my fear. State of mind of an innocent child Ideas of a loss, forgive me now Pick up the bottle and take the pills Freedom follows when I get my fill I'm almost there now, voices will be still It's better to feel
wanted to start Never wanted to take Take control of my lessons you've learned in the part that's outside of the craft of music which would be the business side and booking and marketing and 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 are you is that something you're finding because a lot of artists i know it's like it's difficult to manage it all on your own between just deciding like oh you know because i help artists I, i build websites for a living so it's like whenever i see an artist in need of a website or someone posts about like where should I get my domain registered? I'm like, I'm jumping. I'm like, don't go to GoDaddy and stay off Wix and or whatever. So do you like Squarespace? Squarespace is fine. I think they uh, they overcharge a bit and you're you're well, locked the, into them, but they can be a good just like get it up and running, get it going. Uh, and then you can always fine. move it from there. Yeah, well, you if you're gonna move off their platform, you're gonna have to rebuild your site. Really? You can't take it with you like that. What when I build sites that's in like WordPress, uh-huh. so you can take a WordPress site anywhere you want. But um, so you're saying uh, you can export Squarespace. it. I'm sure to some degree if you use Squarespace to like. But most musician sites, it's like give a static like you know media, and you're adding maybe you're adding stuff like here or there. But it's not like you have like this sprawling yeah. blog of content where if you need to rebuild your site, it's going to take you months or figure out a way to migrate it. So yeah. So at this point, um, I'm working in a Squarespace. My album, uh, I mean, maybe you can take a look at it. You might, you might, you know, have some pointers or tips. But like I've been working, I working on my own website. But I also do my own marketing, my own production. I I figure out my own rollouts. I'm always I'm my own day to day manager, my own booking manager, my own touring manager. How did you go about learning like these roles? Is it YouTube, just you encounter a need? YouTube oh. and the internet, honestly, man. Most of it's just like me deciding that this is something that I wanted to do and not taking no for an answer. Point blank and period, mm-hmm. which is why you say it's kind of like a he just has a bit of a hustle about him. That's true. Like the thing <clears throat> that I I I feel like every person knows or realizes at some point is like nobody's gonna give you anything. Nobody's gonna give you anything. Nobody's gonna give you an opportunity. Nobody's gonna get, hand you a check for nothing. Nobody's gonna give you a record deal for no reason. Nobody's gonna put you on this stage or that stage without cost. Right, you have to show that you're quote unquote worthy of it, or that you've worked for it, or that you have something to offer in exchange for it. Yeah, like so. This is kind of me building my musical resume from 
opening for Maddie and Lauren, uh, Holden Lawrence and Blessed Union of Souls and Aaron Carter um, to putting on my own tour. Like, as small as it was, you know, there are people who go all over the globe, but I'm not there yet. But the idea that, okay, this is what I did this time. So the next time I'll go out of state. And then other than that, I'll go across the country. You know what I mean? It's it's evolving. That's just like my first EP, my first EP ever, like thesis. So you booked your own, the Black and Blue tour, which was your farewell tour to your EP. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you go about um, booking that? Like choosing, play, did you have people there ahead of time you knew? Or were you going in cold? Like emailing people, emailing the venue, locking in the dates, and then just like social media, social media, like groups and pages and having friends in certain areas and kind of just like, okay, hey guys, can we get together? And then sometimes you're just blessed with a crowd. Mm -hmm. And I also just like figure out unique ways to do it. You know what I mean? Like, the cool thing about the music industry now is there's the rules are changing all the time and you can create your own rules. So I went on a tour, an Ohio tour, because I could go on an Ohio tour because that's the rule that I created. I wanted to figure out a way to support my record. When you're a label, that's what they do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's when they, after you release your record, you need to promote it. You need a tour, get it out there. Like, or else it's just pointless. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it'll fall on the ears within that first week or that first month, but you never expand your fan base. You never grow unless you move it out to grow it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's all that kind of was, was me trying to figure out what way can I get this in front of people. And I also love performing. Mm-hmm. I love performing. And then going out on tour made me love performing even more. It just, it just like reignited that fire made it burn even harder even brighter so it was just something that needed to happen honestly it was something that needed to happen do you have a a theory of booking or an approach to it as far as like you like try and just book on the reg so that you know you get you build up your you know list of things or are you more like no i i book because there's a, sp- a special thing i'm more strategic i feel like i'm more strategic with my booking i don't just book just just a book um i think it's good i think it's healthy to play shows and just be constant but i also think it's good to have a balance and have breaks well i don't um, know if because uh, if you have the band now but are, are you still doing a solo thing like there and, so the and, and i know that is, there's a lot of like artists who are you know singer songwriters just you know one person one guitar mm-hmm. they can find a bit of a regional circuit you know yeah so the band uh it's all cory michaels so Corey Michaels is like the bottom line. They yeah. still play my music. Oh, I sure. Just, I just, um, it's just like a, that is a part of my brand now too. It's becoming a part of my brand now too. So that as far as my live shows are concerned, you know what I mean? That's like your Michael Jackson or your Beyonce. You know what I mean? She's had the same band for 16, 17 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They know her music like the back of their hand. It's it's easy for them to kind of like fall into grooves, which I think is so amazing. Like when you watch, you can if you have Netflix, you can watch the Coachella performance. Just how she's able to transition from song to song and flip back in and out and make all these different songs flow as one unit. That only comes because you've been with people for a certain amount of time. They care enough about your music, and you care enough about your music to make it flow. So my, but anytime you also see Beyonce. What do you see right behind her? Mm-hmm. The whole backup, yeah. 
So it's just become a part of my No, and that, that goes to what I was saying. It's like the, you start to find that, like, I want to create people think of me they think of this they get this yeah. so that goes that doesn't right. mean that i won't do like solo shows like next week well i will be doing a solo show i was going to ask i'm like i don't know if we got the room for what i saw you bring up yeah but if you but if you have because i know there's a really ba- a band i really like right now um i don't know how to get them on the podcast because it's like six people and they're all really interesting i'm like i might have to do an episode with each of you Ooh, or, or like <laughs> um, but they it up they have figured out how to do what their core act is and what you get out of them, which is sort of like foot stomping gypsy hillbilly music and and it's fun. Um, But they can scale up and down where it's like, they can do a pretty good show with just the upright bassist and a guitar player and, and one woman, female vocalist or like this whole swath of things or just two people and things like that. And still bring a good show at Cleveland urban winery versus me at the Odeon. Yeah. 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 So I think, there's always just like a balance and I'm always trying to find new and creative ways to bring a show to people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There will be times where I don't want to have a band where I want to do something different. There are um, like, like I said, just finding out different ways to bring like a whole new energy and space and adding a new dimension. So I might try something out in a smaller space in hopes to see a transition to a bigger scale with my band. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's kind of like trial and error. Sometimes it's just me having fun. But in general, at this point, my band is kind of like my rollies. And they also, they're, they're multi-purposed. You know, like I said, my guitarist is also my engineer. My MD, we do, uh, my keyboardist, we also MD the shows together. And he's co-produced some stuff for me. The only person who doesn't uh, do anything outside of a specific job is my drummer. That's and that's plenty. That's doing a lot. That's doing a lot. He's that's a like crazy. saying all the foundation of my house does is sit there. Yeah, and he <laughs> he definitely does his job very well. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but I'm saying he's the only uh, unmultipurposed person. Right. You know what I mean? So to kind of have them rolling with me, you know, that means that when we're when we're on the road, you know, God willing, that you know soon I will be able to like go on another and bigger tour, you know, when we're on there, we can be writing. You know what I mean? If I got my engineer who also plays the guitar and my, uh, you know, my co-producer, I am my MD who also plays keyboard. You get a lot done. You know, you can get a whole other record done most of the time. And when you get up in, in the ranks and on labels, they're not doing their records after they get off the road. They're doing it while they're on the road. You know, look at look at an album. You know, people don't necessarily buy those anymore, not the physical copies. But if you look at like a where this was, oh, this was recorded in Virginia Beach. This was th- these two songs were recorded in California. Yep. These were recorded in Switzerland. And then you start to realize, oh, wow, they just were recording any old where wherever they could, yeah. Because most of the time, your schedule doesn't provide you the time or the space to be like, okay, we're done. Now we're going to spend a whole year in the studio making another record. And then while that's happening, no, it's most of the time. It's like most record labels from what I've seen, you put another album every two or three years. Mm -hmm. So you have like four to six months, maybe even nine months, depending on the kind of artist you are of rollout, your album drops. And lately, Right after your album drops, you are heading out on tour to to go and support it. And that's for a couple other months. And then you think, 
all the B-sides. So you have the radio promo that you're doing, your the collaborations, and they expand tours to go overseas or the others, you know, whatever part that they haven't hit yet. And then they do right. festivals in the summer to get these, uh, you know, like hit a whole different crowd. Like being a musician is being an artist in, that, in the capacity that I would like to be is not just playing shows. It's doing all the other stuff too, doing the radio, getting the the blogs to talk about you, getting on festivals, Yeah, you know, like it becomes like a full on thing. So it's not like, okay, we can just, I can just take a whole year off and, you know, just really just do what I want to do. And I can go on vacation to Nicaragua and I'll just be with the rocks and I'll take my notepad and I'll just, write a whole album and I'll come back and then I'll record it and then I'll just be on my own little timeline. It's like, no. No, you do you do that work while you're doing the work. Yeah, you do all your work pretty much at one time. And that's yeah. something that I'm learning now is how to balance my life right. while having a day job and still trying to um, put my album together and do shows and figure out how to go out on tour and what that it could even look like for me or do or how to even not have a day job. That is something that like is a goal for most musicians is to be able to have your music support you. But to find out how to make that physically possible not only takes time, but you really have to be like dedicated and say, okay, I'm not going to give myself any other option but to do this. Right. And that's where, you know, in, in how even how much of an option is it anymore? If, you do attract a label's interest, whether yeah. or not that even brings you to anything other than, you know, well, you get some institutional support and you're not doing everything, but is yeah. it really going to pay things out or do you end up in a bad deal? Yeah, and, so, and that's that's also kind of like lessons learned. Like B.B. Rexa, I've been following her for a while. She's a singer-songwriter. Um, she was like my first deal with Warner was Trash. You know what I mean? Like, I, but I, I couldn't do anything while I was in it. You know, sometimes it's the lesson of like going through a shitty deal and being like, okay, now I know if I ever get in this position again, I don't want this. I do want this. Yeah. I need more creative control. I need to be prioritized at this, at this point in time. I know that like it's a label, so I can't just get what I want all the time. But when my album is ready and my tour is ready, there should be no reason why my singles haven't hit radio yet. Because that's the only way that people are going to find out about this album mm -hmm. and how these tickets are going to get sold for this tour. If I don't have any songs hit the radio, why are, we, why are you trying to put me out on tour? Yeah. Who am I attracting? What I've been... I mean, it definitely seems like there's a good path to success by finding, like, building up re some regional... You know, like, uh, have people appreciate you and take ownership of it. And, like, yeah... yeah. Um, or at least I've seen that happen with some artists where, you know, it, it, even ones that were getting about to get recognized on a big deal and then backed away from it because it was going to be like they were, Too it was much. a bad deal and trying or trying to make you jump through hoops. You don't want to wear suits. You don't want to wear. Yeah. And, um, but then going like regional and becoming like a staple of like, Oh, everyone knows it. And I know that, um, well, I appreciate that, and you start seeing that when people do that, like Madeline Finn's doing that, yeah. and, and other bands start to like build up this regional following, and then it seems to like it can evolve from there. Yeah, also, I mean, just because if you just start touring around the country, the expense of that's going to be prohibitive. Versus if like you know what on the reg, we're going to be playing Columbus and Youngstown and. Um, 
building up these pockets that start getting it out yeah. there. And, and then you just start taking it out. So, like, you see how they do that, and then they might go to Nashville. They might go to Indiana. They might go to Chicago. But I wonder if, like, it's prohibitive for you versus some, some of the – I think the majority of other artists I've talked to who, you know, you're if you want to do that – you pack up like, you know, it's like you and a guitar or things like that. Yeah. And you get around and you can play smaller things. Or maybe it's not such a big setup, but when you have a full band to take care of and move in that apparatus of yeah. that. I mean, it's kind of like cause and effect. You know, you have to, honestly, you do have to go big or go home. Yeah. Because the thing about it is nobody, like I said, nobody's going to give me the opportunity. And I know that when I come with my show, and that's the thing that... uh also, I've kind of been kind of been getting hit with like it's been I've heard and this is not by somebody in particular, but almost like, you know, like, oh, he's only good because he got those lights and look at all those speakers and that sound system. That's why this sounds so good. Imagine if you played over here, he wouldn't sound that good. But it's like, no, my show is my show. My show was going to be my show, whether we did that on the patio uh, behind the, the grog shop or we did that in the Odeon or we did that in the queue or the first energy stadium, no matter where my show was going to be my show because I didn't know that what those lights were going to look like before I got on that yeah. stage at all. They just liked me. No, so, I watched that show. You, It wasn't the lights doing the work. <laughs> One, I'm one. Something never been done. Oh, look how far I come. She, it's me. I'm free. Drop top, yeah, we cruise the name B. And I can tell by the view from these seats. We sleep So run for your life It's all sacrifice Know that you wanna, know that you wanna be So, 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 it's just like me And you notice when you look into my eyes There's no fright, this ain't a fair fight this ain't a fair fight And you notice when you look into my eyes There's no fright, this ain't a fair fight Now I'm on And you're coming on too strong But I could never play along
Actually, um, with that show, you come out in like the red hoodie, mm-hmm. and then like you know at a, at a moment that pops off, yeah. and then the hat pops off, and eventually the whole hoodie comes off. Was yeah. that just coming off and like, oh, I'm just done with that now, or was that deliberately Planned. choreographed? Oh no, that's just how I am. Oh okay, I didn't know. No, if we were, were talking. There was something where you're like building, like oh, and it's, I, I didn't go back and listen to the song. I just noticed it, like oh, you were peeling off your outfit. Was that just like, oh, it's cool to come out in this, but I'm hot now. I'm in a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking earlier about how I don't like shoes. And you notice, like, I was like, I'm going to take off my I'm gonna take off my jacket. I'm going to take off my shoes. We're going to get home. That could be cool to see on stage, though. Just embrace, lean into that. Take your shoes off, man. I am such a hippie. I am such a hippie. I yeah. I love people. I That's that's a part of performing is just the interacting with people. And so most of the time, I just need to be the most comfortable, which is how I can just jump around and be so free. And that's the atmosphere. That's also a part of my show, a part of my brand, that liberation, that freedom that comes from just like being in this space. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a pimp. It doesn't matter if you're a hoe or a housewife. Okay? You can come here and you can just dance. You can dance. You can cry. You can feel. And then when you leave, I, I, I can't. I hope that this experience has left you in a better state to go back to whatever you need to go back to. But while you're here, while I have you for this 25 minutes or this 40 minutes or however long my set is and my duration is, I want to make sure that you are just immersed in this space where you can be whatever it is you want to be. Whatever it is you want to be. That's the that's the, that's so so important because in every amount of footage that you can watch on YouTube or wherever, you see me having fun. You see me living in that moment and feeling every part of that, and that's what I want my audience to feel. I want them to 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 know that that is this is a space where you can do that. Uh, there was this thing on on Facebook. You know, it's it's June, so it's Pride Month. So there's always this kind of like controversy. Like, why is pride, why is the parades important? Which, then there's, like, this whole, like, straight pride thing. But I think of it more like this, like... I like to think of straight pride as a bunch... They're demanding a participation trophy. It's like, yeah. you didn't do anything. Like, nothing You You have you. no struggle and shame you've had to overcome where you need to celebrate that I'm proud of who I am and I'm not ashamed of it. I don't know why these people can't understand. Like, you don't get a straight pride parade. It's, it's, it's not You didn't do anything. It's not even necessary. <laughs> but, like, uh, so, like, a, bas- uh, a hooper loves the court. 
You know what I mean? Uh, a preacher loves the pulpit. A judge loves the courthouse. A doctor visits hospitals. Loves them guts. <laughs> I think a lot more people than doctors love guts. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but there's always this space for you to be exactly what you want to be. When you want to go hoop, that's where you go. That's the that's your that's your primal place for you to to be who it is you're trying to be. And for me as a musician, it's to kind of no matter where I am, whether I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, Nashville, Tennessee, Cleveland, Ohio, or Dallas, Texas, right? My show involves people being able to be whoever it is they want to be feel however they want to feel, express how they want to express and live, live, let go, be loose and just kind of have that, that moment of kind of exhale. That's important. We yeah. all need that. We all need that. You remind me of a, there's a beautiful, beautiful moment in uh, this live performance by Tom Petty. Uh, there's a great, do- if you like rock documentaries, it's one, oh, that wow. ma- it's one that made me fall in love with the band. Like everyone likes Tom Petty. Yeah. But you watch this and you, re- and you realize you like, wow, you like Tom fucking Petty. Yeah. Like all the behind the scenes stuff of like, you know, squabbles he had and with like record labels and stuff. You'll eat it up. You'll love it. Is it on Netflix? Who, yeah, who, it is. It's called running down a dream. I believe it, it's, dream. it's been on there. It was on Netflix last time I checked. And, okay. but I'll there's this concert early. moment that just stirred me when I first saw it. He's, it was like, Deep in the Bush administration years, too, things were looking bad. So and this was like 2000. Latter, latter half of 2000s. Like, like I want to say in between like 2005 and 8. Okay. It had to be because I was living in New York when I saw it. But he, you know, he's playing this song. It's this cover, a Van Morrison cover of uh, the song Mystic Eyes. And it has this breakdown, this cool off point. Yes, and gaze you mystic and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if just for one moment everything was all right? If for just one moment, one moment in time, where everything was all right. And that's what I want. And then he brings it back to like the lyrics of the song. He's like, and that's what I want to give to you. I'm going to give you that moment. And, but it like, it just stirred me. It's like, he just gave me and everyone there that permission to just like, let me just take myself to a moment where everything was all right. It was this simple thing, but it, it was, it was so incredible that they're like, it made me think of what you're talking about. It's like being conscious of it. Like you could have that power to stand up there and just like tell everyone, like take a moment and realize that you're happy in this moment or whatever. Yeah. And just that you can be yeah. in this moment. Yeah. And that, that's what, that's what you're talking about. Takes me back to is that. Thank you, man. I'll never I mean, forget to, that. To, to be in, in any kind of conversation that regards Tom Petty, I think, um, I guess. Uh, well, if there's anyone that I looked, you know, because I learned about him like a couple years before I started playing music, and that was just always with me is like what who he was from that documentary and really yeah. taking that in, and so that was always kind of there. It's like, yeah, that's that's the stuff and in the way he you thought need of that. things. You need that, honestly, and I feel like 
it's not something that you necessarily learn. I mean, that you necessarily just like get. It's, that's like an experience. And you kind of learn that lesson over and over again. Like, I need this moment where I can just let go and be loose and be free and not have to worry about judgment or fear or repercussions. I can just be. I can just be. Yeah. I can just be. And though those little moments like that are so valuable, are so valuable, but so priceless, so priceless. Yeah. And so if you can provide people with those moments along with the good times from those really feel good songs and those songs that make you feel confident and those songs that also make you reflect on the worst parts of your life and how you got through them. You know what I mean? Or, you know, like sometimes that is just not okay, mm -hmm. but you can be whether you're okay, not okay. Whether you're angry, whether you're happy, you're on top of the world in this space. When you're here with me, all of that is allowed. Well, Corey, this has been great. I want to make sure and let people know. Um, so you'll be playing the carnival yeah. next week on yeah. Saturday. Um, and it's more intimate set, shorter set. We're in a compressed time frame. I definitely want to have you come back and headline when we bring the show to the house. For sure. Uh, with the full band. I would love that. Come on. Um, what do you have coming up on the horizon, though? Uh, and where do people, how do, what's the best way people keep a Definitely on social on media. On Instagram, it's I A M C O R. Oh, you don't got I'll I'll link it. You, yeah, I am Corey people. Michaels. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, Corey Michaels. Twitter, I am Corey Michaels. Corey Michaels with two R's. With two R's, because one R is boring. And then you can stream my new single, Fair Fight in the B Side High, on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal. Um, I got some new music coming out. I'm kind of. I'm doing things a little bit differently this time around. I want to make sure that I continue with the theme of experience with this record. And that kind of takes time. Um, but some cool things are coming. Some cool things are, are definitely coming. I want to do things what I think is my version of the right way. You know what I mean? Learning from everything that I went through with Die to Me and the whole process that I took with that from you know, not really supporting the singles that I had, giving them the life that they deserved in order to give my record the life that it deserved in order to help support my tour the way that it needed to be supported. So kind of this time, I just want to make sure that I learned from my lessons as much as possible and still giving people what I what I want to give them or what I feel like they, they want, which is that experience. And that's what music is now. It's more than just like, hearing that three minutes and 30 seconds or that three minutes and 50 seconds. It's the, it's the video that goes with it. It's the, it's the behind the scenes where you find out why they wrote the song. What do the lyrics mean? Um, you know, seeing them perform it for the first time or even like for me, like when painkillers is one of my favorite songs and we reworked it, you know what I mean? It's, it's finding new ways to express that song to people. I love all of those things and those things, take a little bit of time so i would just want to do it right but uh carnival i'm trying to put together a couple of surprises for this set
could it be? You would be possibly my someone to love. I used to think that everything that's happening was all cause of love. I die a thousand times, drop blood for all my crimes, lay down in lines of fire. Strike hard for final blows, third lines we always know. Responsibles run the risk I'm over it We lost this game, hit and miss Still dry your eyes The face of your weakness shines Oh, and through these times Leave the lights on, I won't see night I die a thousand times Draw blood for all my crimes Lay down in lines of fire for final blows, but lines we always throw. These hands never let go. I speak these words to you. I need to see this through. I wish I wanted to, but I can't stop loving you. Thousand times drop blood for all my crimes. Lay down in lines of fire. Strike hard for final blows. Burnt lines we always throw. These hands never let go. I'm loving
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, like any struggling podcast, I can always use a little iTunes love with a five-star rating or swing by the Facebook page, throw a like my way, maybe a couple of comments. And if you really, really like the show, you can kick a couple of bucks my way at patreon.com slash bzdug. That's B-Z-D-U-G. Okay, that's it. End of podcast. Enjoy whatever it is you're about to do next. Thanks. Bye.